Hi everyone and welcome to Avid Travel with Britain Frost. I of course am your host Britain Frost and today we are joined by Marilyn Conroy from Riviera River Cruises and I was so excited to sit down and talk to Marilyn because Riviera is a product that we have known about for a long time but it hasn't been open to the North American market until very recently. Um, before that it was all British. Now that we're able to kind of included in our recommendations and, you know, uh, tell you all more about it. It's exciting. So we will get into that in just a second. But before that, I do want to give a little bit of cruise news. AMA Waterways will be going to Istanbul in 2020, and I'm sure that other cruise lines will as well. Um, but just the fact that that is now an option again is so great. We also have something else that's kind of interesting. Emerald Waterways will be doing Volga River Cruises in Russia in 2020. So they have a 12-day Imperial Charms of Russia itinerary that goes from St. Petersburg to Moscow, and that is not on one of their ships, so they will be chartering a ship for um that the those sailings um and those will go from may to september of 2020 then we also have another new itinerary a new ship it feels like there's so much new this week viking is going to build another nile river ship which will sail with viking raw which is their other ship this one is currently under construction and will debut in september of 2020 um, and you can read more about all of these things, of course, over on our blog. We also have Quasi Europe, who has announced new 2020 itineraries. Um, and you can read about those on the site, too. And speaking of Quasi Europe, as you all may have heard by now on the podcast, my father, Ralph, charters a barge every year. And this year on his, excuse me, in 2020 on his first barge sailing, he is going to have David Wilcox, who is an musician from Asheville, North Carolina, join him on that first sailing. So if you're a music fan, folk music, um, it is going to be a really, really incredible sailing. So I will uh, link that in the description there, but uh, check it out because it's going to be pretty cool. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Marilyn. I can't wait for you guys to hear more about Riviera. everyone. Today I am joined with Marilyn Conroy from Riviera River Cruises. She is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing in North America. And what an exciting position for you because Riviera has really just started catering toward the North American market. Yeah, it really is very exciting because uh, Riviera River Cruises is not a new company. People think it's new, but it actually isn't. Our parent company, Riviera Travel, which is located in the UK, has been in business for 35 years. 11 years ago, they entered the river cruise market, but they only started to market this product in North America about a year and a half ago. So it's really exciting for me to, to be able to present to clients Riviera Cruises, and they say, oh, what's that? And then 
you can explain to them that the company is solid and it's been around for a long time, but it's just reaching out because of its expansion. It's reaching out to different markets. Absolutely. And I, I usually ask how people are, but you know, I just had to mention that your job title was so exciting, but I, how are you today? <laughs> how is everything? How's the weather? <laughs> well, I, I have the privilege of living in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I have to tell you, it's absolutely magnificent. It's about 82 degrees, bright sunny skies, white fluffy crowds. It's exactly like the tourist board would have ordered it. But ask me that question in August and I will grow. Okay, well, I'll make sure to, I'll make a point to call you back in August then, just so we can get a negative <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to have you here too, because I don't know um, a lot about Riviera. We've started covering it on the site and uh, you and Ralph did a webinar a couple of days ago um, yes. that I, I had the privilege of attending and I was able to walk through one of your ships when I was on Amaviola a couple weeks ago. I, mm. I, uh, we crossed through William Wordsworth, which is a beautiful ship, by the way. But, but I would love to know more about your fleet. How many ships are there? Yeah. Where do they travel? You know, all of that good stuff. Okay. Well, uh, we have 12 river boats. Uh, we're coming out with another one next year, the Jeffrey Chaucer. And these river boats, the, the, uh, none of them are older than six years. So we are able to say that we have the youngest fleet of ships to sail the European waterways. This is because these, these vessels are designed and built by Skiller. And Skiller is a, a Swiss company, which obviously has a, a great attention to detail. We lease them from Skiller. And then after six years, we just hand them back. Because as I often say, riverboats are not like ocean liners. Uh, they don't grow old gracefully. They just grow tired. So we have the privilege of just being able to send them back. And one of the other benefits with uh, Skiller is because we can take advantage of all of their staff training. In other words, the people that um, work in the food and beverage, the waiters, the uh, stewardesses, these people just rotate from, from ship to ship by season. So we would have the same trained people as perhaps Armour or, or Tauk. Uh, so that's one of the benefits in having this fleet, which is owned and operated by Skiller. The only only um, differentiation to that are the two vessels in or sailing on the Douro. But other than that, they're all owned and operated by Skiller under the Riviera River brand. And, you know, you did mention the Douro. So where all do the ships go? Which rivers are they on? Well, essentially, we go to every single river that everybody else goes to because there aren't any new rivers. Yes. <laughs> Although, having said that, we do have two new itineraries for next year, but I will, I will touch upon those in, in just a moment. But the rivers we go to, you know, the Main, the Rhone, the Sone, the Danube, all the major rivers. So what we at Riviera do is we add a slight twist to many of our itineraries. And by doing this, we were able to give our clients a more immersive experience uh, into the countries that they're visiting. You know, we, we try and make the point of differentiation different. It could be the embarkation point um, or just how we operate the vessel. For instance, in Lyon, the, the one that does um, 
Provence. Instead of going round trip Lyon, we'll go Lyon to Avignon. So it enables us to have uh, uh, the ability to go deeper into the countryside and actually sail up to Bonn as opposed to making our clients uh, visit it uh, on a visit it basically on a bus. Yeah, I mean, and that is that's just that little touch does make such a difference sometimes. Like, you know, being able to see a city that you might have to do, as you said, by bus or on a land tour, or you know, as a pre or post cruise. Ex- tour or excursion so i that's a really that's a cool thing and ralph and i were actually talking about that after the webinar is like how much of a difference it can make to start the trip in in another city that people may not go to as often yeah exactly also i think a couple of things we like to do is to start in budapest by start and the other cruise lines majority start in Passau. And the reason why we start in Budapest is the airport is about 20 minutes away. Where, whereas if you start in Passau, it's about a two and a half hour ride. And you know, North Americans, if they've done a, a, a trip across the Atlantic, for instance, that's you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, depending where they come from. You don't really want to spend two and a half hours in a bus. Yeah. So that's why we tend to make our, our, our destinations begin and end in Budapest versus Passau. It is true that, you know, those bus rides, while sometimes they provide a good napping opportunity, can be quite long. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. But something, I agree. something else that you all do differently that I want to talk about is kind of this concept of unbundling the cruise fare. Mm. And you do that. What? Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go on. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you picked up on that because, you know, this is this is actually one of our points of differentiation. Like everybody else, we offer shore excursions. We offer a, a shore excursion in every major port. But the price for Riviera is extremely competitive to begin with. It's competitive because we're the new guys on the block and we have to grab the consumer's attention. And one way of doing that is the price value proposition. But by unbundling, which means not including items such as uh, gratuities or alcoholic beverages, the client is really only paying for what they are doing. If you have a client who doesn't want to drink that much or doesn't drink at all, sometimes they can say, well, if you're on an inclusive product, you know, I don't want to pay for everybody else's drinks. So what we've done is twofold. We can sell a drinks package, which gives unlimited wine, beer, and soft drinks for lunch and dinner, and that's 159 euros. But as Ralph pointed out, uh, before you buy that or sell that in the case of a travel agency, you should think how much your clients drink because a six-ounce glass of superior wine is 275 euros, roughly $3. So you can check an awful lot of wine for $159. So that, that is why we strip that out of the package, but clients have the uh, ability to pre-purchase that if they wish. And gratuities are entirely at the client's discretion. So when you buy a Riviera Cruise, it's very upfront with the pricing. There's no surcharges to eat in the alternative restaurant. Um, as I said, we took out the alcoholic beverages. So essentially, you're going to have no surcharges and no surprises. And and it's like you said, um, a lot of people appreciate that in not paying for things that they're not going to use. If you're not a drinker, it makes 
like you said, you're paying for other people's drinks, essentially, um, in those cruise fares. And so I think that that makes perfect sense. And then also on these cruise lines where you get um, wine included at dinner, I mean, sure, that's also nice if you're a heavy drinker. It seems like the wine is nonstop sometimes. Um, But adding that in for an additional charge is is fair. And then, you know, you're paying for mixed drinks at the lounge, correct? Yes. Yeah. But again, the whole bar menu is so reasonably priced yeah. uh, that that it's it's not it's not um, you know we put it like this. Some people say uh, when they go on an ocean liner that's not all inclusive that their bar bill is higher than their cruise fare. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd have to really drink a lot to have that happen on Riviera, because as I said, even a martini is about four euros. And I have often found, you know, that I there is no reason for me to go to the bar after dinner having wine because I've already had wine. I don't. I probably don't need to have more. And maybe that's a good incentive not to overindulge. Um, well, each for their own. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, you know, I. I really I like that concept and I think that it's a concept that we're seeing more and that and that a lot of people are appreciative of. So I definitely thought that it was important to touch on that. And the fact that you add that drink package as an option instead of just charging per pour is is good. Um but yeah. you know, at kind of straying away from just the fl- the fleet itself and background and more toward the guest experience. Who is Riviera's ideal passenger? Well, ideally, we try to encourage um, the younger clientele. Um, we do this by offering uh, pretty active, some of them, shore excursions, complimentary bicycles, encouraging people to go out. And, and I know Ralph loves doing this, but just take a bike ride uh, in the countryside. It's, there's no charge for doing that. Mm-hmm. We also have a concierge char- uh, service where the uh, clients can go to the concierge and say, well, I want to do this museum, or I want to do that. And they will arrange for the tickets at cost. It's not a profit center for us. But as far as the median age is concerned, I'd have to say it's mid-60s. And, and every river cruise out there uh, tends to get a more mature clientele. But at the end of the day, it's young, not necessarily age, it's young in heart. Mm-hmm. So I would say we fit in with the, with, with the um, majority of the lines, about 65. But we do encourage the, the younger traveler because of the um, onboard amenities, as I said, such as the bicycle, water element on the rivers, be it uh, a jacuzzi or a plunge pool, things that people that are active like to do. And when you're looking at cruising, you know, it's hard to say that, oh, this is affordable versus this because everyone's budget is different. But in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know, as you said, your prices are competitive and and you don't when you walk into the ship, you don't see that it's not it doesn't feel like you're cruising on a budget. And I don't think that that's intended to be the experience because River Cruise always comes with a high price tag for someone. But I think that by kind of having more competitive pricing, you're able to cater to younger people as well. Because, you Mm -hmm. know, people my age, I'm 20, almost 24. And people my age absolutely cannot afford to go on these river cruises that are $7,000, $8,000 a person a week. So that probably brings out a younger crowd as well. 
Well, there's a couple of things on that. Firstly, uh, you just made me feel very old because my daughter's 30. <laughs> and, and secondly, it's a very valid point. Uh, you know, you, you are, you're just starting out your career, presumably, and you might not have the, the financial wherewithal. And river cruising is a very uh, price value way to travel. And you know, we have lots of cruises that uh, start at less than $2,000. But I think one of the, the best examples is uh, my favorite city in the whole wide world is Paris. Mm. Paris, even with all its troubles right now, is still extremely expensive if you're going to be taking a hotel and meals, you know, overnighting in Paris. So we just came out for 2020 with a brand new itinerary, which goes round trip Paris, where the boat is a floating hotel. We, we will moor in the center of Paris uh, and then take a beautiful cruise along the Seine and end up at the famous Normandy beaches, but taking in lovely little villages on the way, like Honorfleur. So something like that, I think, would appeal to, to all ages because they've got the, the romance of, uh, of Paris and you've also got the history of the Normandy beaches, which young people today do appreciate as much as any uh, war veteran. Absolutely. So you can do, you can do that for just over $2,000 a person, you know, an all inclusive in terms of food and shore excursions and really nice accommodations and overnighting in Paris. Yeah. And I do just want to emphasize again, like the interior of the ships. I just, I'm, I was kind of like awestruck when I walked through Williams, William Wordsworth because they feel so luxurious. At least, I mean, well, I didn't do a site inspection, but just, you know, going into that lobby, it was so light and pretty. And I peeked into the lounge and it, it felt it felt like a like a high class establishment. Well, I think it is. And thank you. It's very hard to describe the decor. Um, I yeah. used to call it tra transitional glam. By transitional, I'm, I don't think that really is a proper phrase at all. But what I'm implying by it is it's traditional without being stuffy. It's got the glamour without being glitzy. You know, mm -hmm. the brass railing and the marble floor and all the rest of it. But, you know, the, the days of cabins being tiny, tiny, tiny on river cruises is over. Uh, the Wadsworth, for instance, their smallest cabin is 183 square feet. They go up to uh, 274. So, and a beautiful marble bathrooms, top-of-the-line amenities. So, yes, you, you know, you are getting um, a, a luxurious feeling to the, to the vessel. Yeah. And and I Ralph during the webinar was saying, you know, I don't know how much this comparison means to some people um, who haven't seen Talc's interiors, but he compared the interior of the ship to Talc quite a, a few times. So I thought that that was um, worth noting. Well, yeah, Skiller actually builds the same ships for Talc as they do for us. So that's okay. why Ralph immediately noticed the similarity, yeah. except I think our decor tends to be a little bit more on the lighter side. Mm -hmm. But the physical plant, yes, yeah, very similar. Yeah. And you mentioned um, some e excursions earlier that you had active options for younger travelers. But can you give a few examples of maybe a favorite excursion of yours? 
Oh, well, my favorite one, of course, is going back to Provence because I, I do love uh, that part of the world, you know, going to uh, uh, Avignon, visiting the Palace of the Popes and the lavender fields. And my favorite, that would be tough. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the way to Ardash and the beautiful caves there. Uh, there's there's so many shore excursions that that we give. It'd be hard to say what my favourite one is, but probably uh, the lavender fields followed by a wine tasting. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? Who's who wouldn't <laughs> yeah. choose that as their favourite? That sounds great. <laughs> um, and you mentioned, you know, as I said, you mentioned the active options. Are there multiple excursions being offered each day? No, we offer one one um, excursion in each major port. The reason we do this is we don't want to have our clients feel that they um, must do a whole day touring. We want to encourage them to get out on their own and examine and learn about the countryside. That's mm. why we have the bicycles. That's why, you know, we encourage them to take mats and do their own walking tours. So there's a lot of leisure time. We give you the essentials of the area, but we also provide a lot of leisure time for our clients to enjoy the vessel and enjoy the cities. You know, one of the things that I think is 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 really nice when you're on these river cruises. I mean, you've got these beautiful castles and medieval villages. You know, you can go offshore and you can sit in the cafe, have a glass of wine and cheeses and watch the people go by. And you have the time to do that. Plus, you don't have to think, well, if I'm paying for a drink here, I could have gone on board the ship and had it for free because we are not all-inclusive. You don't have that feeling. But how nice to be able to do that. And if you want to bring a, a bottle of wine back on board and have a, a, a pre-dinner cocktail in your stateroom, then you, you're welcome to. Yeah, and I think that you kind of hit a, the nail on the head, for me at least, in that I, you didn't say this explicitly, but that sometimes when multiple excursions are offered, you feel almost as if you're missing out on mm -hmm. something. Yep. When, <laughs> when we went to Vienna, I didn't do a tour that day. And mm -hmm. partly because I had a lot of work to do, but it kind of felt like I was, I was missing something. And when everyone comes back to the ship and they start talking about different excursions they've taken, some people really enjoy that. And it's nice to kind of hear the perspective of multiple tours, but it's also nice to have the shared experience of doing the same excursion or the individual experience of doing whatever you want. I mean, I walked into the city, city center, which is about an hour walk and then mm. back to the ship and kind of just explored by myself. I sat, I found a park and I sat and I read a book and I just, mm. I had a great day on my own. And so, yeah, you know. You felt like a local. Exactly. You felt like a local. Exactly. But you know, this, you have just hit the nail on the head because I remember being on a river cruise and obviously it was a Riviera and I was just plain tired of touring. So I decided to stay uh, on board and just, frankly, read a book, like you said. Mm -hmm. And of course, then all these people are coming back and saying, oh, you missed a fabulous trip, blah, blah, blah. And I really, I thought, oh, why didn't I do it? Yeah. But there's nothing, nothing worse in my view. You get off a shore excursion at seven o'clock at night, let's just say. Some of them go that late, not ours. 
Um, and then you have this compulsory dinner time at 7 o'clock. Some, some river cruises will make you eat dinner on a set time because the kitchens are small and they have to do it course by course. So one of the, one of the benefits of Riviera is it's, it's uh, no assigned dining, no set seating times within the parameter of, let's just say for dinner, seven to nine. In other words, you can come and go as you wish. If you want to go down for dinner at 8.30, you can. You don't have to feel compelled to go and eat at seven o'clock. Plus, we have an alternative restaurant. Um, No surcharges for the alternative restaurant, but evenings they do like reservations. Okay. And I mean, this doesn't really completely segue in, but I, we are talking about going off on your own and doing your own thing. So I know that Riviera has a great program for solo travelers mm-hmm. uh, with the single supplements waived and you have um, special cruises. So I'm not going to give too much away, but please elaborate on that. Okay. Well, on every single departure, we always offer uh, between four and six cabins which have a, do not have a single supplement. Uh, these are the cabins on the most economical deck. Uh, they would normally take two people, but as I said, five of these cabins have no single supplement. But what we've also done, which is unique in the river cruise industry, is we have several cruises exclusively for the solo traveler. And we, we publish these and then we, we add to them during the course of a year. But what this means is the entire ship is sold only to singles. So if you're on the Wadsworth, as a for instance, that's got 88 cabins, if it was 100% capacity, it would have 88 people because every single person is a solo. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to pay this 200%. I mean, if you want a French balcony or a single person on the most of the cruises, you'll pay 200%. That's normal in our industry. It's kind of hard because some people, it doesn't mean to say that you're not married, but you might have two ladies or two gentlemen. They want to go traveling together, but they don't want to share a cabin. Mm-hmm. So this way they can both have their own cabin and they won't be charging that 200%. So this is a fabulous program that we've come out with. We're expanding it. We've still got about, I think, eight cruises left this year with no single supplement. Yeah. And, you know, even as far as like you mentioned groups and maybe like a group of women that didn't want to share a room. I was with a group of four women on a cruise one time Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they had to share. And I, I think that that is kind of common is that you're either looking at paying twice as much as you're going to pay or, or sharing a room with someone. So those single cruises are a good option for groups of friends as well. Yes, exactly. And I, I even think about it, you know, when you were talking about it, I was kind of thinking about like, Oh, well, what if I did a trip with my mom and my grandmother and, Mm -hmm. and we might not want to share a room. So even for a multi-generational group, um, that could be an option. So it's good. Yeah, I didn't even really think that far outside the box at first. But it is true that 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 would be good for groups. Um, But I think oftentimes too, that traveling solo can be intimidating. Um, It's not something that that's intimidating once you do it often. But you know, on those first couple of trips, it's like, well, am I going to meet people? What am I going to do? And I found that on a river cruise, you almost always do. 
But if you're thinking of traveling solo for the first time, going with other people who are also by themselves is so I would be relaxed, more relaxed, like my guard would be down in that environment, because I know that other people are in the same situation as I am. Well, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, being on your own on on any vacation can be a, a lonely experience. But because these vessels, um, the largest one holds 169 uh, guests, you you really always meet people because you have to. <laughs> it's yeah. very hard not to meet people when you're on a vessel with such a small capacity. But there's going to be, uh, even if you're on your own and you're not part of a group, you will automatically be meeting other people because you're going to be dining with them, you're going to be on the shore excursions with them. It would be pretty hard to be alone on a solo cruise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I often joke when I do river cruises by myself that I couldn't have dinner alone, even if I wanted to. I mean, I remember no, you <laughs> I took a book. I took a book to the dining room for lunch and I was like, I'm mm. going to sit and read and finish my book. And about 10 minutes into my meal, two women come up and they say, can we sit with you? And I'm like, of course. But, you know, yeah. it's just that experience is that like people want to talk and meet people. So. Yeah, that's, I think that encouraging people to travel solo is so great. And I would really recommend that experience. And when you can do it without having to pay more because you're by yourself, that mm -hmm. that's the best time to do it. Anyway, I could talk about solo travelers all day because I always do trips by myself. But let's move on. Um, what so we talked earlier about your title and how it was so exciting because Riviera has come to the North American market. What advantage does Riviera bring to this market since it was primarily booked by British guests prior to now? Well, yes, it, it, it has been traditionally actually 100% uh, British. Uh, we, we branched out to North America and Australia about a, two years ago. English is the only language spoken on board, so that's, that's an advantage. The other advantage, quite truthfully, is just the price value. Um, as I, I think I mentioned earlier on, this is a very, very competitive marketplace, uh, River Cruises. So you have to stand out. And, and how we've done that is really by offering such beautiful ships, uh, top-of-the-line vessels, good quality of food and service at very, very competitive prices. You have a challenge to get the word out about them. That's why I'm doing these webinars with, with Ralph. Um, but, but basically, uh, some people said to me, well, is it too good to be true? No, it's not. It's true. It's a lovely product, and we need to get the word out. And right now, that in and for itself is an advantage. And I think that oftentimes when you see these cruises that are the price point is is so much lower than other cruise lines, you you do often get that is it too good to be too true question. And the answer is not right now. Not I mean, yeah. not ever. But you know, if it's it's like this is the time to do it. Because well, exactly. Well, exactly. But you know what, one of the things we pride ourselves on is fair pricing. Uh, so many Nearly all, I can tell you, 90% of our competitors mark up to mark down. By that, I mean you'll open a brochure, there'll be a red line through the price, and it says, now, two for one. So you automatically feel, wow, I'm getting a deal. Mm -hmm. What a deal I'm getting because I'm getting half off. Mm -hmm. Because if I book by May the 5th, I'm going to get this, this, and this. But there's, 
they were always going to be that price. They just marked them up to mark them down. And it's very frustrating for our travel agency partners and the consumers to purchase a cruise, let's just say a year out, and then the price goes down by half. So what we've done is uh, we've, we have a fair pricing policy. If you buy a cruise today, it's going to be the same price as if you buy it a week before sailing. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, that, that transparency is so great. And I know that so many people appreciate that when booking. Um, I'm going to ask a question. This is like totally out of left field, but <laughs> it's not connected to what we're talking about at all. But it's just a question that I ask everyone. Um, is there an age limit for young travelers? Who is allowed on the ship? Yes, there is a limit. Um, we don't take uh, children under the age of 12. Okay. Uh, we, don't, we don't have triples. We don't have quads. So uh, we don't even have the facilities for them. But, but we don't take them under 12. Okay. Okay. That's great. I mean, 12 is better than, you know. I, I think that sometimes people appreciate not having young children on because they, yeah. they can be loud and screaming sometimes. But I mean, that's... <laughs> So, well, we all love our own children, but yeah. not necessarily anybody yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's why it's always good to know, you know, even if the answer is no, because some people want to book on cruise lines that don't have children on board, young children. So, yeah. And then lastly, what exciting, new and exciting things can we look forward to in 2020 and the future? I know you talked about that new itinerary in France, um, but what else is coming well, way. we've got a brand new ship, the Geoffrey Chaucer. That's yes. going to be launched next year. Well, we have two ships well. being launched just this year. And then next year, we've got the Geoffrey Chaucer. She's, uh, again, got very much like the Wordsworth, 169 guests. But we have two new itineraries as well. We've got, as I said, the Seine itinerary. But we also have a Bohemia-Vienna trip. And again, it's the same principle as we did uh, on the Seine trip. You will embark in Vienna and spend a night on the ship so you can get an opportunity to use the boat as your floating hotel. So you don't have the hotel expenses. So that's a really um, wonderful trip on the iconic Danube River. Yes. Great. And is there anything that we're missing? Anything missing? Yeah. <laughs> I know I we can always so. talk. You're I- very thorough. I can always talk all day, so, you know, I always, like, try to condense it, but you feel like we've gotten to everything? I think we've gotten to everything pretty much. Um, Just a couple of points, if I may. Sure. Uh, Riviera is, is relatively new to North America, as I've said two, three times, but in this short period of time that we've been marketing in this company, country, we've been awarded the... uh, the Travel Weekly Magellan Award and gold in silver levels. And I think that's a really very gratifying accolade to get so so short in our time uh, marketing over here. Yeah. Plus, we have a 96% on Revco. That's that's uh, the company that surveys, would you come back, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody gets 100%, but we got 96. So I think that's, I think that's pretty good. And, and following up on that, are, do you see a lot of repeat customers? Uh, well, we don't have that many so much in North, 
in North America, we, we're just starting to get repeat clients. Yes, we, what we are finding is the clients that are going on board. Remember, we have more clients this year than we had last year because mm-hmm. the momentum is building. Mm-hmm. But the, the responses and reactions to the product are very, very favorable. And, uh, you know, we've got some tough travel agents out there that, you know, really know their business and have been most complimentary uh, about the vessel, both from them and their clients. Absolutely. And that's reflected in those numbers, clearly. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on Avid Travel with Britain Frost. I hope that you all have a great week and I will see you next time. Bye.